we welcome you to Investex uh, ESG conference. And this year we have the topic of decarbonization and growth. Uh, the rationale to pick the theme is very simple. Uh, we seek to comprehend what actually is doable in the Indian context when it comes to decarbonization. Uh, the world is obviously going gaga on green hydrogen uh, when an economics is still evolving. Uh, against that, uh, India is just with poor and not utilizing its resources optimally wouldn't be the best thing. Uh, to understand the potential mix uh, for India going forward, uh, that is carbon and or different type of hydrogen, uh, we have with us none other than Mr. Atama Mukherjee. Uh, he is the president and CEO of MN Rastur and Company and Rastur Energy. I will quickly introduce uh, our keynote speaker. Uh, Atama has been consulting for energy, materials, and commodity industry globally in the areas including strategy, technology, operations, and finance. Uh, over the last three to four years, we have provided leadership in restructuring of $20 billion plus of stress assets only in India. Uh, in the recent past, uh, if you just browse or Google his name, uh, what you will find is uh, he has been associated working along with the U.S. Department of Energy, uh, U.S. National Carbon Capture Center, and Government of India on the policy, technology, and economics of coal gasification, hydrogen, and other related carbon capture mechanisms uh, for industries like power, chemicals, steel, oil, and gas. Uh, lastly, he also advises international priority reforms and investors on asset recoveries, MNAs, investment strategies for energy and commodities related businesses. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you uh, for the conference, sir. Uh, I request you to start basically uh, uh, to present on the subject of way forward for India, carbon and or hydrogen uh, based on the end application. Uh, over to you, sir, and thank you so much uh, for uh, having this opportunity uh, to uh, have you for us. Thank you, Vitesh. Uh, thank you, Satna, uh, for, for inviting me and uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, talk to all of you. Um, you know, it's a uh, great show in Austin, Texas, but I thought it would be good to talk to you folks and just uh, uh, converse with you on the, on the perspective uh, in the area of this whole thing around energy transition that's, uh, that's taking the world by, by storm, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, over the past few years. And what I wanted to talk about a little bit was, uh, you know, trying to separate some of the, some of the, the hype from reality. Uh, you know, myths from, um, you know, uh, the actual things uh, uh, on the ground. And be able to give you a perspective around that, uh, what makes sense, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we as businessmen, uh, technologists, and investors, uh, you know, invest in things based on reality, right? Uh, we don't base, we really don't invest or make decisions on different hype or myths. And so I think it's important for us to understand what the realities are and what the path looks like from a real perspective. And so I thought I'll just kind of like share this thoughts on emerging uh, uh, area of hydrogen and, and also this whole problem that has to be a basement. Uh, and, and give a perspective on something happening around the world and, and I think in specific what, what, what's the situation in India. So uh, I've got a presentation which I think I'll just have to share. You know, this is, it is Finish. Is, does, that, does this appear on your guys' screen, the, the presentation? Uh, yes, sir. The presentation is visible, but we are not able to see you. I'm not sure that in the video is switched off from your side. Uh, it will be good to see you as well. 
and to the right of the sea of life and business. Have a seat. What's up, Bobby? Uh, I don't know why it's, uh, it's blocked off. I mean, it was blocked off. I don't know why. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know why. I can have access to it. It says you can share your video when you are done your screen sharing. Okay. Yeah, I'm there. I'm just trying to figure out, but maybe we can configure it. Meanwhile, I'll try to see how we can get this before. Okay. Wait, so, uh, so let me just kind of like get back to the topic and... So let's, let's, let's talk about it. So what I'm going to talk about, essentially, um, and, and, and please feel free to, uh, if they, uh, uh, ask me to move forward if it's, if it's on time. But what I'm going to talk about essentially is, uh, is about industrial decarbonization. You know, all of you, all of us have been hearing and, and, and seeing things happening in the electricity space with uh, renewable hydrogen, renewable energy, electricity, and uh, solar and wind. Uh, I think one of the areas which uh, is a big contributor to uh, carbon dioxide in the world, as you may know, has got to do with uh, industry. The industry, for example, contributes uh, about 30% of the total CO2 emissions in the world. And unfortunately, not many people look at it, and people have been very fixated with, uh, with, uh, with wind and solar. Uh, and, uh, and just as I will show you in a little while, wind and solar and electricity only can address 30% of the total carbon basis that we can do. So, uh, so I think industry decarbonization, especially in the context of a country like India, is very important. A fast industry happening. And I think uh, it is important to also look at how we can use hydrogen and operate blue hydrogen, basically how you can prepare or produce hydrogen from, uh, from fossil fuels, right, and coal or gas, uh, and then use something called carbon capture. Uh, you know, to be able to capture the carbon dioxide and that we create clean hydrogen and also known as blue hydrogen. So how do you use hydrogen uh, in the Indian context? How do you decarbonize? How do you have this is a major part of the uh, emissions uh, story? And how do you go about doing this in a manner which is economically important in that's what, that's what I'm going to talk about uh, in the next few slides. So just a little bit about the energy. And this is a... A previous company, I remember Sue, which is the main lead anchor company in India for the past 65 years. This company is a affiliate of the Sue, and it's focused on energy. And what we do, I just want to pick kind of like, you know, it's got to do with the, you know, consulting on the concept market, feasibility, business models, and the slides. Uh, we work quite a bit on technology. A lot of our work is in technology. And it's got to do with things around the technology development, uh, licensing, system design, the uh, things of that stuff. And uh, all of our work is very closely connected to how you make this technical feasible. That's why cost and finance is a very important part of our work. So that's the basic value proposition, and that's that would be applying towards how do we create clean energy systems, and how do we do. Uh, carbon engineering, as we call it. And what do you mean by clean energy systems in, in, in the area that is uh, focused for us or for everybody? He is using a couple of things. Uh, how do we uh, use gasification technologies? And we can never get it in the sense that 
uh, you know, how do you kind of like really make gasification uh, carbonated? Uh, how do you create uh, new carriers like methanol and derivatives? Right? Methanol is a very important carrier, which is a chemical, which can substitute our imports in India, if you might know, can substitute fuels like petrol and diesel. Uh, and so methanol and derivatives is a very important piece. Uh, hydrogen, like I talked about, hydrogen, ammonia, derivatives, and so on. And hydrogen in power generation. Not only the new ones, but how do you use hydrogen in power generation to create new power systems? And to do all this from um, existing fossil fuels uh, like coal, like gas, um, like the biomass, um, the biomass is not produced fossil fuel. Um, we do something called carbon, carbon engineering, which is essentially going to do uh, with the capturing the carbon dioxide from this production process, uh, creating value out of that, creating the lowering the carbon dioxide, so that's all the uh, transport the CO2 for sequestration of the ground to grid. And then, of course, uh, the one uh, other piece that you can do with carbon dioxide, the cash to create oil, uh, something called enhanced oil recovery, which you do with ISPL, where you essentially capture the carbon dioxide and CO2, then inject it in the oil field, in the pure oil field, can uh, produce oil, a bottle of oil, which you don't otherwise, uh, which you otherwise cannot get. And so that's a very interesting aspect. So, so that's what we focus on, and, and enough of that, I'll just go to uh, you know, a couple of basic philosophies to offer to think about. And this is about, you know, uh, you know all of us have been hearing about the idea that you hammer this life. Things around, uh, you know, solar and wind and solar and wind and renewables. But I think it's important to understand the reality. And so I think a couple of things that may help frame our thinking has got to do with the fact that um, one is that we need to recognize that CO2 is the issue. It's about CO2. It's not about you know, whether it's gas or wind or coal or oil or solar or nuclear. It's about how do we address this issue. It doesn't really matter uh, you know, where the energy source is. Uh, it's about how do we make sure that energy source is without CO2. And so that's a key issue. So I think people get fixated with solar and wind without getting really addressing the issue of CO2. So therefore, if you take that a little further, uh, you realize that decarbonizing the industrial activity is a key to the world because industry, like let's say production, or like let's say chemical production, cannot produce what it produces without producing CO2. Uh, for creating steel, for example, producing steel uh, in a black furnace, <coughs> the dominant mode of production, we would have to have carbon in a coke, a coking coke. There is no alternative to that. You, know, you cannot change that part. You can to some degree, but it is hydrogen, but that's much, much later. So you have to figure out a way to build a CO2. You know, petrochemical processes, right, uh, which you deal with NAFTA and, and crude derivatives, you have to have carbon in that, and carbon reacts to create carbon dioxide to produce this plastic and carbon to get back. So, so there's no way around it. You know, there's no substitute for those. Uh, materials, and so you have to figure out a way to decarbonize the industry. Uh, therefore, hydrogen and other low carbon carriers is key to industry decarbonization. And because that changes over the internet, the question then becomes how do you treat hydrogen which is clean? And in a very economic manner. Right? Not only clean, but economic. It cannot be like you know, five times the cost of the same hydrogen. So, so I think that's the key thing that's needed there. 
And in order to do that, you need to cast the carbon dioxide, and this is something that you're working on, and I'll share with you instead of doing it. How do you manage the CO2? Because capturing the CO2, transporting the CO2, compressing the CO2, um, you know, sequencing uh, the CO2, and using the CO2 in a way uh, for creating value-added uh, material. And so, something called gigaton scale, you know, uh, capture infrastructure, and capture mechanisms is something that is maybe required to be decarbonizing uh, the industry. And I think, finally, as all of you know, I think more than me, uh, you know, everything is great, but it is economic viable. Uh, you know, you, you, you cannot make anything happen today. So you have to make all these things become viable. So most of the things that you hear today about, you know, uh, green hydrogen and green growth, they are not economically viable. Right? They, 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 they have been subsidized significantly, but you can only go so far. So the question becomes, you know, at some point of time, you have to be economically viable. They're not economically viable, and if you tell this, it's not going to happen. That's more like that. So, and the challenge, therefore, is that, you know, given the fact that we've only got 20 years to 2050, we do not have time, and in general, energy transition can be made. So, this is the reality, right, that she got to, so this is the reality backdrop against the people who see that. You know, not against, you know, great technologies and crazy products. So, uh, I think, uh, if you take that further, she uh, gives something what I call the 70% energy challenge, and I've taken some key uh, continents, or, or, or subcontinents, um, where, where, where I've kind of like, if you look at this bar graph over there, they're essentially emissions, CO2 emissions from, um, you know, the top of industry, uh, so this is industry, this is electricity, this is transportation, this is building, and this is agriculture. If you look at it, the percentage of future emissions is five or two, the total amount of emissions, right? In gigatons, The U.S. emits five billion, billion tons of carbon dioxide, up to 20% of the industry, and 25% of electricity. China, 45% of the emissions come from the industry, and 34% come from the industry, 7% very less. Same with India. 31% from industry, 34% from uh, electricity, and generation, in some power plants, and gas-based power plants, whatever there is. Transportation is 10%, 5% to 80% gas-based a lot of wood burning that we do. So clearly, you know, the renewables, you know, average, only 30% of average of the total. And that's what we've been bouncing around for the past, you know, uh, 10 years. Nobody's addressed this piece, which is a significant piece of the emissions, and there's no apparent solution and no renewable to help. So it's difficult to decarbonize in the sector across the majority of the challenge. And therefore, how you do that using mechanisms which allow you to capture carbon dioxide and use alternate fuels like hydrogen uh, or methanol um, is key. So uh, we think that it's important to address this challenge. Right. Especially for countries like India, which are growing, manufacturing, developing economies over time. They will emit more of, you know, for example, steel goes to 300 million tons, let's say, in 10, 15 years, hopefully. Uh, you know, your food emissions will just blue, right? Same thing as today, similar to the world like summer, the final million tons of capacity. The way India is going to grow, it's going to grow significantly high, probably double, if not more. Uh, same thing with petrochemicals. So, 
how to address that in a, in a manner which is problem efficient to go So that's the challenge I think that we need to address. So essentially, it's a statement that I'm making. The hydrogen methanol to the second gasification, along with large scale, you get scale, large scale, carbon capture management, are the building blocks for anything else in the part of the industry. That does not mean that you forget the new, but you need to have a portfolio of projects that you do with that. So deep decarbonization, in our opinion, will require a broad-based system approach across the portfolio of options. And essentially what they're saying is that there's a clean energy carrier, so this hydrogen, methanol, ammonia, carbon capture, and gasification, and it's specifically super India. Plus, they've got renewables, wind and solar, hydro, to some degree, and nuclear. I think nuclear is an option that we need to explore. It's the way people get turned off on nuclear, but nuclear is, is the cleanest option for that matter. It's just that it's very expensive. People have not thought about it uh, in how to scale down the, the scale down the economics of operations and the scale of operations. So small volumes need to be asked to do possibility. So, so I think renewables cost plus, I call it renewables cost plus, plus clean energy carriers. If, and if you look at it from a perspective of technology, economics, market and policy and combining, that's how it creates the energy system. It's not about putting a solar car or a wind car or you know, something like that. It's about how do you define and create the energy systems by combining different technologies, combining the economics, combining the policies, combining the markets uh, to be able to create solutions which is economic and technical sense. Therefore, that's the society, industry, and of course, the Uh, here's uh, one way to think about uh, how the clean energy transition can happen for the industry. And I'm, I'm going to focus on the industry more because it's uh, very germane to a country like India. Uh, and I think that one way to think about it is to look at the, the resource endowments that we have got. You know, people just world over run away from coal today. If you talk, to, talk about coal in the United States, you'll be killed. If you talk about coal in Europe, you'll be shot. Right, uh, but that's that's political, right? And that's that's political reality out there. The fact of the matter is, countries like India, countries like Poland, countries like China, who do not have gas, who do not have oil, right? Uh, unlike, unlike, for example, uh, U.S., which has got a lot of gas, right? Um, uh, unlike Middle East, there's a lot of gas. Um, unlike Europe, there's a lot of cheap, potentially cheap gas that they can get right from neighboring uh, countries, of Russia, some degree. India doesn't have that option uh, in an economically attractive manner. India has got a lot of coal, right? Um, and, and, and I think that it is important to recognize that coal is the cheapest form of energy. And again, like I said earlier, the issue is not about coal. The issue is more about how we make coal clean, right? If you can make utilize coal in a clean manner, at the same time address uh, substitution opportunities uh, in force, uh, you can really make a very strong foundation for energy security as well as clean energy based on coal and biomass and waste. Uh, and apart from the other renewable stuff that we do anyway. So this basically talks about you know, how we can use natural gas in countries that are available as well, and, uh, you know, use coal, biomass, and petroleum, and those kind of fossil and derivative fuels, uh, fossil fuels, using gasification to create some gas, 
You are that for a different end team product. Like DNA or M16 for fuel processes and all things, uh, you know, all things too, like ammonia. Uh, like steel production, we had a DRI at some point of time, but we have this DRI definitely at this point of time. Yeah, okay. yes, it is. Uh, how you power, uh, you know, clean power using, using hydrogen and steel gas. And, and the whole idea essentially is that if you look at India, the power, Indian gas-based turbines, the gas, common cycle turbines, don't work. We have a pretty tight gigawatt of capacity. Uh, but because natural gas is so expensive to import by LNG, about twenty billion dollars in the year or the balance land today, it doesn't make sense to run those gas turbines, right? But if you have hydrogen on coal, uh, you know, it's clean coal, you can probably run those hydrogen turbines, right, at uh, a slightly higher cost than plain coal pipeline, right, which can support the renewables for digital power supply, right? It's not like a super critical thing to be. So I think to have a portfolio of these options that we can develop based on the underlying fossil uh, endowments of India and And to combine that with what we call a complete combustion of combustion carbon capture, we create the right material disposition framework for storage, UR, and conversion to value of fuels. Given a very compelling case, and this is what we're working with the government on right, in terms of the strategy and the policy for how to go forward, uh, utilizing hydrogen, utilizing coal, utilizing uh, India's endowment to be able to take this entire ecosystem over time so that they're able to not only create energy security, material security, uh, but also reduce the, the cost of production, uh, reduce the carbon abate, the carbon dioxide emissions, and at the same time, right, uh, you know, make it very attractive from a, from a perspective of ecosystem. So, so this is one uh, a way to think about the whole thing. Um, and I can specifically talk about hydrogen and the hydrogen emission model. Um, have you ever been hearing about green hydrogen and all this stuff? I'm, I'm happy to talk about it before, maybe if you desire to questions. But essentially, you know, green hydrogen and, and any other hydrogen, hydrogen can be produced in different ways. You know, there's nothing new about it, right? And today, the industry produces uh, hydrogen uh, through natural gas and coal uh, without capture, uh, you know, 70 million tons per annum around the world. Um, and so it's done, right? And, and it's nothing new. Uh, but it produces quite a bit of carbon dioxide. So that's why the, the whole thing that's come up is that what if you take renewable electricity and you know, you utilize that to, um, to split uh, water and increase hydrogen on that? And that's a very clean issue. Well, that's theoretically very sound uh, and very nice, but that doesn't make sense from a scale perspective. Uh, uh, both from an electricity requirement, as you will see, is very, very high, uh, as well as from uh, the perspective of the capital cost and the cost of hydrogen that you get, and also the availability on a continuous basis. Right? So those are big, big challenging blocks of really good hydrogen today. So here's a comparative analysis, right? The SMR is basically seeing and forming. Most CTS is talks about how the emission intensity per kg of hydrogen produced, and talking about 10 kg approximately with uh, CTS. It's an SMR for natural gas. With CCS, it comes out of our, yeah, only about 1.5 kg. Right. ATR is one form of what we call natural gas based uh, reduction. Coal uh, gasification is about 15 kg of CO2 per kg of hydrogen. But if you use carbon capture, it will come down to about 1.5 kg. On the other hand, if you use electrolysis uh, of water splitting on the grid, this grid power, 
that is the most expensive from a carbon dioxide perspective in the case of stages of CO2 limited because the total cost was generate a huge amount of carbon dioxide, right? So you could provide with it. Um, and so I think, so if you look at the comparisons of, yes, of course, renewable electricity is, is, is very low, but the question is, what is the most practical solution, right? Uh, you know, and, and it appears to me that you, know, you need to have an approach that allows you to create hydrogen at scale which can utilize right, and consumer on a continuous basis at an economic cost point, competitive economic cost point. Um, while at the same time, you should also look at how you grow the green hydrogen portfolio by investing in innovation, investing in pilots, investing in administration for the time to over 10, 15, 20 years to mature into a technology and compete with the blue hydrogen in case of coal-based or gas-based uh, hydrogen production on your company. So that would be to look at, look at this whole thing rather than really looking at you know, just green hydrogen. So again, some considerations are uh, the production costs out here. Uh, FMR is a natural gas space with CCS, which is carbon capture and storage. It's about $1.6 per, per, per kg uh, of hydrogen. A coal gasification with high ash, or for that matter, uh, with low ash coal, we have, uh, uh, you know, 1.3, 1.3, even less than the Canadian Farmer contract. And going up to 1.6, 1.7. Uh, if you look at electrolysis uh, with dedicated power, uh, renewable power, you're talking about, you know, about $5 per kg minimum, right? Uh, and, and I think it's more likely $6 per kg minimum, but for our That's right. And curtailed renewable essentially is what to do with that. If you take overflow renewable electricity, up, up, after uh, applying it for power generation, then it's very, very high, $15,000. So clearly, there's a, there's a big economic incentive to be able to utilize the existing uh, endowments that we have, uh, along with uh, capture systems, which give you a very good, scalable uh, hydrogen production, uh, not completely carbon free, but very little carbon emission. It's a much better solution today than trying to dabble with. That's why utilize green hydrogen, which essentially will take quite a few decades to get to a point where it can scale and provide a fast volume to allow you to utilize green hydrogen for the industry. So here's another, uh, here's another comparison about uh, if you were to produce, let's say, additional time, it is about 67 million tons of hydrogen today, but that's additional amount. Uh, if you were to produce about 5 million tons of additional hydrogen today, uh, for, you know, for example, using refineries, for chemicals, e-chemicals, substitution, NPO, power generation, what would it cost, what the economics and the competitive factors would look like to make sure you do the analysis of water? Should it be possible at that scale? Um, and if you were to compare that with gasification that you see that. from electrolysis, should it be possible in that scale, will consume about 20% of India's, you know, consumption of total electricity today. It'll take at least 7,000 km square of land, you know, probably more like 15,000 km, around 7,000. Uh, it'll cost you about 250,000 crores, right, because they left it. Uh, and, End of the day, the cost per kg is going to be over 300 million rupees. 
On the other hand, if I have the harness to pull, let me get back. Uh, which is very large, I'm sorry you said that. Uh, and utilize that for uh, generating hydrogen, and you probably capture along with that for, for, for people doing it in the, and or converting it. I require much less of power, obviously. Uh, you consume more to TNGP, of course, is a good thing, right? Uh, and and, and investors are slightly less. But the cost of the hydrogen will be lesser than the cost of hydrogen that you produce today. So there's a significant difference, right, in terms of economics and scale uh, and availability that you can do using hydrogen uh, based on fossil fuels like coal today, than trying to scale it up based on big hydrogen infrastructure. So therefore, you know, how do we see the evolution of hydrogen? We think that uh, you know we must. Especially a country like India and, and, and China and other states. Uh, also, that matter, United States, too. We should start the natural gas of coal, you know, the reforming gasification on carbon capture to create hydrogen, right? And this hydrogen should be utilized for, you know, for example, reducing the natural gas price by injecting hydrogen natural gas, hydrogen cycling, as you call it, utilized for to some degree, uh, you know, creating steel, reducing steel, new uh, steel plants, to some degree, oil and gas to NGO and typical and, application, for oil and chemicals, for ammonia, and of course, generation of power for hydrogen turbines. And the renewable electricity we must use for really clean the grid. Because the best thing you can do today is to look at renewable electricity and see how, far, how much can I displaced so how much can I complement my grid with renewables because that got the biggest effect on carbon dioxide, not by converting renewable electricity into hydrogen. Because if you uh, replace one megawatt hour of uh, total power, you're replacing about one ton of CO2. Okay. On the other hand, if you use the same renewable electricity for generating hydrogen, we can utilize for let's say, you know, industrial natural gas pipelines and steel, the place of the carbon dioxide for the same one, one unit is going to be at least at the most 50% of CO2 emission reduction. So there's much more sense to clean that grid, uh, you know, use renewables for that, create new hydrogen from the fossil fuel, and then as it matures, you will want both blue and green to you use this to produce green hydrogen over time at scale, and then let both of them come compete in the market to figure out which hydrogen or what combination makes more sense for what engine. And so this is a, this is a, a more animated model of that, as we talk about it. Essentially what it says is that you've got, you've got low cost blue hydrogen that already starts with coal based hydrogen which has captured violence and gas turbines with us for the chemicals. And then what you do is you you know take renewable electricity, uh, replace that with water fired electricity generation generate cheap green base load from that grid, and then use that at scale to create green hydrogen the technology becomes much more mature, capacity has to improve, cost of electricity, the green electricity becomes cheaper at less than five cents per hour, and then if you green hydrogen at that point of time, and in 15 years you have an economy with a combination of both fossil based hydrogen with capture and electrolysis based hydrogen based on new electricity at low cost. Uh, a few electricity at low cost is to support these different 
end industrial or end transportation or application, and that creates a market value that creates a company market. That's the way we think we should think as the best rather than just jumping on bandwagons like Europe is doing, US and I think it's very foolish, uh, unfortunately. Uh, the stance that has been taken, especially in Germany, if you look at it, you look at Switzerland, you look at And I think a lot of it's politically motivated. Uh, but I think the reality is that those things are not going to work. And so eventually, they're about to translate that back to a portfolio approach. But unfortunately, by the time they do that, they have lost five years, and you don't have time in that particular. Um, here's some models, and I'll quickly go through this. A little bit. And here's one of the things that we work on in terms of how we can use uh, hybrid or unskilled. Um, again, um, you know, the idea essentially is to be able to look at uh, blast furnaces, which is uh, really the latest research in India for, for many, many decades, for that matter. Uh, and, 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 and the emissions from the, from the converter shafts and the cocoa and gas is the product energy. Be able to convert that into uh, into fuel, right? Into renewable energy, and by doing that, you can create some gas with GRI, some GRI plants, and you create methanol and the aggregates, and uh, and using capture, uh, you know, you can really really control the carbon dioxide away. <coughs> so one way to look at energy sustainability is to really look at the blast furnaces instead of emitting the whole thing in the air or using it for trivial energy use. You can create Really large scale um, geo right, based on uh, conditioning of that Russian gas and US gas. We utilize it for different purposes along with this gas. So, so that's one way to look at it in terms of islands in India, and for that matter, any country that's got um, black for space operations. Yeah. Um, here's the steel plant decarbonization model to working with a very uh, Progressive company, I would say, uh, in this area in India. It's uh, down here tonight, right? And, uh, and they're very progressive with uh, a long time with uh, uh, the cities of this year. Um, and an idea essentially is to look at how they can decarbonize the economically viable, cost effective, technologically advanced matter, and you can the flow flow to do this new biomass uh, and, uh, and capture and be able to use biomass gasification uh, or the green electricity over time to uh, generally uh, clean up uh, and replace the fuel with hydrogen rather than petrol or coal um, or other mechanisms that we use and utilize that to generate cement filter uh, and then uh, utilize capture systems to be able to capture the and utilize that for ethanol production and aggregate so, so, I think this is a general model that you're working on, and I think it's very really promising, and I think that should be number to more points. Some of And so, so, here's one way of looking at cement plant decarbonization. We must understand that, you know, we must be thinking that more practical, right? Rather than trying to be theoretical and, you know, political and get stuck with it, I guess, and then have a part of the world. So, I think, uh, I think the whole uh, process we take is around those commodities, right? uh, This is a, this is a, I guess, right? The idea essentially is that, how do you, that, okay, so you do all these great things, the question is, what do you do with the CO2? How do you capture it? And so, one way to do that essentially is something called clusters. And what we want to do is, we want to utilize this whole 
cluster approach to industrial emission where you want to capture a cluster, uh, have large scale collection and parking hubs of scale infrastructure transportation hubs and storage hubs and UR hubs. And so there's a whole uh, CO2 infrastructure that develops over time to be able to address the CO2 emissions, uh, which uh, you know, is uh, a key part of the the carbon capture economy, the carbon emission economy. And so we call it a deep scale CO2 build as well. We plan behind it and uh, I know the science is the whole thing. But this is, we're working with this, uh, the government of India as well as the highest policy design, as well as uh, the right universities and DOE uh, to look at how we can enable this to be there. So, so I think um, these are some of the details of that. You know, there's a lot of economic models behind it in terms of how this really will work and why the CO2 uh, abatement cost from that perspective capture and abatement cost will be minimal when we bring and scale this approach uh, and, and how we see value in this taking concept from the uh, Henry Hub and the gas trading enterprise model. Be able to create this or uh, develop this model for large scale carbon capture base uh, and so so, yeah, so that's basically what it is, and I think uh, with that, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be happy to take uh, you know, uh, any questions or uh, questions you have. Um, so, so now while my video is still not running on, uh, can you see the chat here? Okay, I think you're okay. somehow stop the video. Okay. Am I visible now? Uh, yes, sorry, yes, there you are. Okay, great. Uh, so, I'll request the participants, uh, if you have any questions, please uh, raise your hand. Uh, meanwhile, sir, uh, thank you so much uh, for, for a very in-depth presentation. Uh, sir, if you could please go back to slide number 11, uh, I think that would be great. Uh, my question over here was specifically, uh, are there any government policies uh, to ensure uh, enough demand pull uh, to enable investment uh, either for that particular uh, slide what you indicated or for a cluster approach with you uh, spoke uh, in the north. Uh, that's one. And in relation to that, if the industry has to be motivated to move in this direction, uh, are you looking at a carbon tax or a carbon incentive, uh, say, two years, three years out? That's for the first question, sir. Okay, so, yeah, so I think, uh, this is really shit, this slide. Is it on this slide? Are you talking about this slide? Yes, sir, that's, that's what Okay. Yeah, so, so, one of the things that needs to happen for a large scale, um, top of production of hydrogen economy, right? Uh, it has to have, uh, a market creation mechanism. I think I wrote some time back in the new business plan on how to do that. That's very interesting how to do that. Uh, but the idea essentially is that you're going to create, you've got an existing demand about 6 million bucks and you can replace some of the demand using the, in the view of the hydrogen. Uh, to mandate, for example, the mandate of using 5% five, five of the hydrogen refineries from clean food. Right. So that's one demand for the security, right? Uh, but the second thing is you've got to create demand uh, uh, demand categories, right, for uh, creating um, the use of hydrogen, right? Uh, utilizing, for example, uh, for example, we want to say that we want to start incentivize uh, reduction of steel using hydrogen at a certain percent, and that's what we're going to do. 
Similarly, um, if, you want, if you want to utilize you know, clean hydrogen or injection matter, and this doesn't even work out like that, it's one time, you say that, look, natural gas is, uh, in India is very expensive. You have, to, you have to import natural gas from uh, outside, most of it. Right? Mm -hmm. and that's like about $12 in MBT, $14 in MBT, and it's an answer to so what if you can create clean hydrogen at a low cost structure, which you can, and then you inject that up to 20%, and you can inject up to 20% of hydrogen in that cycle. And that's something that the government can do right away. That gives a very large gain of hydrogen oil and gas, because that creates more than the same energy value of the fuel, but reduces carbon dioxide to the okay. So that's another mechanism of market imagination. So, so the government needs to create and be something somebody that we work on, in terms of clean policies of, of how do you use uh, demand creation in the future. Um, on the other hand, you know, you will hear a lot of the newspapers spend about hundred days in popular communication. I think that's the last thing to address because uh, creating uh, hydrogen and transporting hydrogen and distributing hydrogen is extremely expensive at this point. So, uh, to create a demand for hydrogen to utilize in, uh, you know, uh, hydrogen buses, in the skills of vehicles, it's not going to create the scale of demand that you want. Okay, again, it's good for political slogans and it's good for the policy. But it's not going to really create the demand for hydrogen. Right? Because the distribution of hydrogen is going to take a lot of time to create. So you want to create more of hydrogen is more at scale, uh, nearby where it can be consumed, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and and the real use, right, at an economic process that it makes sense. So I think that's the policy direction that we need to take. And some of you are thinking of some of that are going to be right? And, but uh, that's generally the way to create demand, to policy, uh, you know, to, to enable demand to be effective at scale, is then automatically drives everything else, right? Absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah. Sir, I have a question over the carbon tax or carbon incentive uh, to yeah. actually make things yeah. happen. So, yeah, so the next question was carbon tax and carbon incentive, right? Let me just sort of like, uh, let me just talk about it a little bit. So, the ideally, ideally, from an economic perspective, it makes more sense, uh, theoretically, to put a carbon tax. Uh, a carbon tax is, is the most effective mechanism for really accounting for uh, energy carbon dioxide. Uh, and, uh, but the problem is that uh, the price of carbon through taxation is, is not really politically very talented in general. Uh, if you say that, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to produce what you call, uh, you know, through a ton of steel, and uh, a ton of steel will have, um, essentially, uh, a carbon tax of, let's say, steel per ton, let's say, right? Uh, and if a ton of steel produces over two tons of carbon tax, the cost of steel goes up by $100, right, or about uh, $7,800. In a country like India, right, a developing country, that's just a cost. It's not happen. I think a better way to do that, essentially, and that's what the U.S. has been doing, is to do with providing incentives, right, like uh, CLI, as we call it, production incentives, 
So based on them, they say that you want to essentially incentivize and reward somebody and also have a mandate that you need to uh, reduce carbon dioxide by X amount. And uh, for every amount of time that you reduce, you're you'll be given a credit of X dollars, which is more equivalent to the cost of capture, the cost of production. Now, you can fund that uh, using some very interesting financing, financing models, right? Which eventually will turn out to be net uh, neutral from a deficit perspective, right? So there's a much more palatable way of driving uh, adoption of uh, you know, new carriers like hydrogen, carbon capture, and, and, and clean energy production without being a tax. Uh, tax is a very difficult thing in general, politically around the world, and more difficult in developing countries like India, where you know, it's, the benefits accrue much greater, and the cost is given right now is very visible to the consumer, which can create very, uh, which can really make things very, very obvious. Uh, so my second question was, uh, you had interesting data points on flight number 10. Uh, so it's possible that we just uh, show that thing, it will be uh, uh, benefit to the participants. Okay. Uh, so you had two numbers over here, basically 100 rupees and 75 rupees. Uh, one was a neutral, one was a uh, coal. Uh, just wanted to understand a broad map over here. Uh, we understand there are four different types of electrolyzers. Uh, if you can give some sense of OPEX versus CFX over here, and uh, just numbers of 100 and 375 rupees, uh, is that work here? Uh, or is there a scope for this number that can be reduced going forward? Uh, and the related question does uh, India have a manufacturing footprint to actually uh, make electrolyzers, or it, it will still be an assembly point where we import most of the stuff? Uh, yeah, so so uh, if you look at the number of folks here, right, um, uh, electrolyzers, let's take, let's take electrolyzers. The most mature electrolysis method today uh, is using the ad oil electrolyzers. Then the proposal comes using extension electrolyzers, still, well, still developing, still reliable, still something a long way to go. So, you would use the like, alpha electrolyzer just for a time. You know, uh, if you look at the alpha electrolyzer, the stack cost, uh, you know, probably at about $300, $350, you know, for the lower. Uh, but, people just talk about the stack cost, right? That's not the cost of the electrolyzer. The fiscal cost is what we need to talk about, right? Which includes, uh, stack cost is only 60% of the cost, capital cost of the electrolyzer system. Other 50% or more goes into power systems, right? This is the uh, transformer and the rectification, DC, right? uh, DC, DC electricity. Uh, it is uh, the deionization plant for water. Uh, it's got to do with uh, you know, all the hydrogen pressurizing systems, like the compression systems and the cleaning systems and the purification systems. That's the 50% of the cost. The cost of electrolyzers, the stack cost is going to go down, but that other cost is not going to go down significantly because those are mature technologies. So in general, if you look at it, today the cost of a system cost of electrolyzers per kilowatt basis is about $600 to $700 per kilowatt. 
The people who say, you have to agree with the guys, they'll talk to you and say, hey, you know what, those $250. Hey, no, that's only a sad part, right? The savings is just given. If they go out for it, it will go out for it. Maybe I have to do a lot. But the system cost overall would probably say $100. They may not go less than $100. So that's the cost you have taken, right? Uh, and then you've taken, for example, you know, how much it takes to what you call the motor electricity. I thought it's going to happen to electricity. And I think that's like, you know, 55 to 60 kilowatt hours for KG of hydrogen. And the cost of electricity, again, it's not two cents. Right, people talk about the renewable electricity. That's never going to be the case, right? You'll never get clean electricity, right? At continuous availability, more of the availability, that's possible. That's just utopia. So more like five to six cents is possible in these five changes on the line. But if you look at that and look at this capital cost base and this tax cost and, and, and look at the operating capital, you'll come to about this number, right? Uh, capital cost total for five million per annum, and, uh, you know, the KG, but it's not actually that, it's roughly 50 50. Yeah. It's a electricity cost. I think more than 60 electricity and 40 more than that. About, on the old base side, you're talking about gasifiers, and, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, and I think it's pretty straightforward out there, you know, gasifier costs, and, uh, and then the CSA costs, and uh, typically, a lot of, uh, about a $900 million or so for, for $150,000, which is like about $1.5 uh, to $1.5 million in DPU, plus $50 in my run, which is full cost. And then there's the opportunity pocket, typically opportunity pocket is divided 50-50, if you don't do the math based on that, you're going to be done with 100 people in the end. And the second question you had was, what did they say? This one right here, um, people that say investing only spending the $1.5 for MVPO. Uh, they visited JSPL's Angol facility last week. They have a gas supply, the synthetic gas is costing, it actually comes to around $6.5. This is after bipolar credit. I'm saying that is a price of coal on an MBD The cost of uh, so, so the, the syngas cost, um, you know, will not be less than $5 per MBD. Okay? $5 per MBD. That's last year. It can go down a little bit more because of the price of coal. If you get incentive of coal, unless you work with the government term, but that's $5 per MBD is the price of coal. And certainly, yes, that's what one one should do, because we already got that. The uh, path to hydrogen in any what we call coal-based uh, hydrogen, green uh, hydrogen, has to do with first stage of thing gas. So the thing gas is going to go to the hydrogen, and, and then you can use hydrogen. So, and that hydrogen wants to produce. Uh, on a hydrogen basis, uh, if you got a thing gas at a 4.5 hydrogen you can use, it will cost you at about 80 cents, 80 cents to 
Right. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for the very informative presentation. Uh, uh, so, just two questions from my side. First of all, uh, as you highlighted, that there are lots, uh, many more clean technologies available apart from green hydrogen, which are, which are much more mature uh, and possible better to uh, utilize those for decarbonization. Uh, but do you think uh, that because uh, probably the world is believing that the cost of green hydrogen can be brought down significantly by scale uh, and probably uh, be very visible a couple of years down the line, that is actually impacting investment uh, in these other technologies which, which could be more be utilized as a bridging fuel? Yeah, so I, I think you would have read, you would have read the recent announcement in Europe, right, the European Commission. And other sources, right, nuclear and, and the gas. Uh, the United States, for example, if you look at the, the infrastructure bill, right, the vital infrastructure bill, significant investment in uh, gas based hydrogen is not captured. So they're investing themselves in billion dollars right away in this year and other There are many, many, many billion dollars in carbon capture. So I think governments have started realizing that you cannot have green hydrogen. So reality at scale, anytime soon. Although you have to invest into that, right, today. Start investing today. And utilize what you have today to accelerate the, the process of scaling the market, right? The only way to do that is to look at technologies which are mature, which can scale, and therefore either gas-based reforming to hydrogen, or in parts of the world where gas is not available, uh, like China and like India, right? Um, uh, I mean, Asia, utilize coal-based uh, with carbon capture as a mechanism to prime the hydrogen market. In the, in the meantime, keep investing in the green hydrogen development to finance and demos and investments and subsidies so that that hydrogen market grows. And you don't know exactly what the timing is going to be, but probably 15, 20 years down the line, we will have a scalable green hydrogen market. And it's not only about the technology, it's also about the availability of electricity. Okay? If you don't have clean electricity, you will not be able to operate any of these green hydrogen infrastructure scale. You can always do demo, try demo. That's not a problem, right? And that's the same lot of, uh, you know, newspapers. But the amount of electricity that they require, like I showed you in the previous one, just 5 million tons per annum of, just very small, right? I mean, IMCPA is very small amount of hydrogen in the larger country. That itself consumes 20% of the total electricity of India that's produced. Right. So just imagine if I were to do 650 of hydrogen, right, this green hydrogen is a plant. I mean, it is going to be 120 times more electricity, which is going to be like, you know, twice uh, a twice the available electricity in the world. So 
So that's the reality. So you need to have renewable electricity capacity along with clean electricity. Things based on electricity available at that scale. So all these things take time to develop. Long time. Right? Decades. So in the meantime, you cannot just wait and say, you know, I see an industry and keep on shouting green, 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 and nothing happens. And, uh, you know, we hit the 30, 40, 30, 45, 30, 50 deadline. Uh, <laughs> right, and nothing has happened. So that is why I think people have realized this of just investing in scale policies on, uh, on blue hydrogen and using mature technologies and technologies and that the carbon capture to be able to create the market. And at the same time, invest in the inherent future so that we have a, a more balanced and practical mechanism when it comes to, uh, you know, a hydrogen economy, hopefully, a very clean in the future. Are very useful. Uh, a related question to this, sir, and uh, this this thing pertains uh, a lot to a lot of us who are assembled over here, and that is on the ESG financing, uh, which is which is being provided uh, to these green and clean projects. Uh, now, do you believe it is impertinent that uh, we must change or alter the definitions to include brick fuels there as well? Uh, otherwise, yes. we are seeing a lot of crowding out. Yes. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and, and I think that's, that's, that's going to happen, right? So, uh, so I think um, if you look at, again, I'll, I'll take examples in the United States, right, which is the uh, progress in this area, uh, and, and the policies are getting in place right now. So, uh, so what they have is something called 45Q, right? 45Q is a tax credit mechanism. Right? It says that uh, whether it's hydrogen from blue or green, uh, blue or gray or pink or whatever, right? Or the common is, right? Or whether you do um, you know, utilize methanol or some other fuel to abate carbon dioxide uh, through carbon capture maintenance system. Uh, then I will give you a fifty dollar per ton credit, tax credit, right, towards that specific what you call carbon that you are carbon that you right? So there is what you call these incentives mechanisms, right, uh, to be able to drive adoption of these fuels, these big fuels, right, which we 25, 34 years, you don't know how much, so that they get no more traction because there is no way you can replace those mechanisms to create, for example, honesty or create, uh, you know, hydrolyzed uh, fuels, for example, right, and these are absolute requirements to require uh, these fuels, and so, uh, that recognition is there in the United States happening. Yeah, in, 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 in Europe, it's more of a carbon tax. Uh, but that, again, we don't know what's going to happen with carbon tax. It's, it's like, what it's doing is that it's pushing out all the industries in Europe out to China, right? Especially in Europe. That's what's going to happen. So, a tax is not, not exactly the best way to do it, you know, given the investment effect tax in the past. Um, initially, at least, with the development of these kind of political So, yes. Incentives and mechanisms and policies are being put in place just like subsidies, right? Uh, for these rich fuels and rich mechanisms so that we can eventually get to a CO2 abated world, the combination hopefully of these rich fuels and what we call renewable energy. Thank you so much, sir. It's very useful. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hi, Mr. Mukherjee. Thanks, yeah. 
different types of uh, initiatives let's talk about natural green hydrogen mission and uh, on the other hand they are also pushing into re solar and uh, you know uh, wind and uh, mixing of ethanol with diesel and all those kind of initiatives to decarbonize the economy right and to meet their uh, commitment and corporate target reserve how do you think that uh, you know this green hydrogen mission is comparably the materialized for industry point of view compared to these other initiatives of government like on solar and you know reducing of uh, coal based electricity yeah so so the green hydrogen mission uh, again you know uh, the hydrogen mission it has started up with green hydrogen and this whole right so some incentives like you know very common in the city and the mandate Uh, it's also about the incentive of manufacturing of electrolyzers, uh, that kind of stuff, which is a useful thing. But I think the hydrogen mission is still being developed. Uh, the hydrogen policy is still being developed. And I can tell you for sure that one of the things that we are really active in developing is to, uh, to really improve uh, the development of policies so that it supports hydrogen production from all different sources which are clean, which can be changed. And one of them was, of course, coal, and, uh, and so that, that's something that's going to happen, right, over the next popularity of the concept. So I think the hydrogen mission will have a much more inclusive policy stance rather than just being a green hydrogen mission, because that by itself is not something which can scale and support the, uh, the, the, the needs and goals of what I think India should have, right? So I think you'll see that happening over time. It, it must include the policy support, right, incentive and policy support for other forms of uh, production of hydrogen, uh, as well as from green hydrogen, right, in terms of developing the hydrogen demand for the supply side. So, I think that's what's happening. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope to see you all 
joining tonight's session with class of 2015 in another few minutes. It will be the section from Asia uh, from Anilai. See you soon. Thank you.